Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Strong Christian Female Podcast. I'm your host, Charity, and this is a community of women who want to be warriors for Jesus Christ. We are kicking off the desire to be comfortable and embracing a wholehearted abandonment to Him alone. Not through legalism, not through works, but through His grace and mercy. We're going to overcome the lies of this culture and replace them with the eternal truth of God's Word. So, whether you're a student, a stay-at-home mom, a grandma, an entrepreneur, whether you're new to the walk of Christianity, or a veteran spiritual warrior, you are welcome here. Let's get started. Good morning, everybody. This is Strong Christian Female. I seem to repeat that almost every time, but just a reminder, in case you skipped the intro, it is a rainy day where I live. I don't know what it's like where you live, but hopefully you're warm and snuggly-bugly. Maybe you're doing dishes. Maybe you're feeding a baby. Maybe you're running errands. Maybe you are just able to sit and listen and hear from God today. I'm blessed and honored to be a part of that, no matter what it is. So we are going to expand a little bit on our conversation. When we were talking last week about biblical justice, we are going to highlight a very important point within that talk when we were talking about God's moral law and holiness. Oh, yeah. Sorry. It's kind of funny to me because holiness is a word that we often don't hear in the corporate church anymore. If you do, I'm very, very glad because we need to talk about things like righteousness, holiness, sin, things like this that are prevalent and throughout the word an exponential amount are being ignored and simply not talked about in lieu of convenience, not hurting people's feelings, trying to ride the wave of emotion. You know, I actually had an interesting experience. I did a chapel talk for middle schoolers. So keep that in mind. When I say throughout the talk, I was talking about just, you know, different things. And one of the things I wanted to talk about was what God sees in people and that God sees what he has put inside of us and that we need to rise to that occasion. And I was going around the room calling out kids I knew that I had a personal relationship with. I started with my son and then I called out a few kids that have a personal relationship with me and everything was positive. I was just talking about how God sees this in you. God has put that in you and, you know, positive, good, amazing things that I knew personally these kids had. And some of them, I just said something fairly generic, honestly, God has put a call on your life, but you have to lean into what he's asking you to do. God has called you for mighty things. You are meant to live in this time in history right now. You are not here by accident, no matter what you tell yourself or what other people say. And then I saw a kid in the back of the room. And I've known this child for about three years. It's been a bit of a bumpy road, if you want me to be honest with you. He's a personality that can be difficult, but he has such amazing stuff that God has put in him. And so I looked at him and I called out all the, like this great stuff in him. God has put this in you and that in you. And he's got such a call on your life. Well, fast forward and I get a furious phone call from his mother we have a personal relationship with each other. So keep this in mind. And it wasn't thousands of kids, you guys, it was like 50 kids, maybe 40 kids. I mean, this wasn't like a crowded room in a conference, you know. And she proceeds to tell me that her son came home and said that I called him out in chapel and said these horrible things about him. And she starts to relay things that not only did I not say, 
but that were in such an opposite stratosphere of what my talk was about, of what I said. I was agog would be the only fancy word to put to it. I was like, I let her speak. And then I calmly somewhat, I didn't panic, but I was definitely, whoa, 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 you know, in my head. And I handled the situation by reiterating, no, 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 no. Not only did I not say that, I would never say that about a child. And I told her, I said, I'll tell you exactly what I said, because I remembered. And I told her the positive things I spoke. She was angry. She was upset. That's not what he says you said. Da, 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 da. And this doesn't have a point, you guys. Thank the Lord there were many adults in the room, including the principal of the school and other people who sit in on those chapel services. And I was able to relay, I'm happy to reach out to them. I'm happy for you to call them without me even being involved and ask them what I said. I'm happy to give you my notes. I'm happy to relay everything I did. They may have even recorded it. We'd, we can look at the recording. Here's what I'm getting to. You guys, that was a small little chapel service for a bunch of middle schoolers. And I spent several days untying that knot. I cannot imagine what it's like to stand on a stage with thousands of people in your audience or thousands of people watching you on TV and knowing someone is going to be angry, upset, call you a false teacher. I mean, whatever the weird thing is they're going to do and you not let that influence what you say. It takes a very strong person to know they are going to get arrows shot at them from, we know it's a spiritual battle, but from people who are sitting in the audience, not even participating except passively, and they are going to be mad at what you said, misheard what you said, misquote what you said, take something out of context of what you said, or let's say you actually made a mistake and they are angry about that mistake and they're not going to let you live it down. Even if you hopefully come back the next week and say, my gosh, this was brought to my attention. And in my hurriedness, I didn't hear how I said this. I would love to clarify this point I made. Or let's say you just made a mistake and someone sets you straight and you come back and say, you know, someone talked to me this week about something I said, and I see it different now. I want to, I want to address that. I can't imagine the pressure. So when I say that, I understand that we aren't saying things from the pulpit. And I understand it must be really hard to call sin, sin, and, and God holy and everything else in need of redemption. But we have to start doing it. And if you aren't willing to stand in front of people and say boldly, this is what the word says. I believe that this is the holy inspired word of God, and I will stand on it that I'm going to be honest enough to say you probably shouldn't be in leadership. You should let someone else do that, that can handle it. So I'm not meaning to be rude, but wimps and phonies are not called to follow Jesus. It takes strength of character. It may take years of you not even being known to anybody by yourself, like David was, shooting the bear, shooting off all of the predators that were coming after the sheep, never expecting that you would ever have any sort of leadership role. And then when it's time, oh, and that man spent a lot of time in caves. I would also like to point that out, running from a guy who wanted to kill him because the hand of God was on his life. David's life, as much as we want to glamorize it, really was not fun most of the time. He was either living in caves or out in the wilderness by himself with a bunch of sheep or fearing for his life or his kids were a hot mess or he was in trouble or he was in exile or on and on and on and on, right? This man lived a very tumultuous life. 
But that being said, when you are called to leadership, when you are called to follow God, it will not be easy. People will not like you. You are not going to have a million buddies. I don't care what your social media following is. So that's a little bit of a long intro to get to a pretty short topic. (laughs) And here we are. We've landed. We're going to talk about God's moral laws. And one thing that God's moral law leads to is a pursuit of holiness. See, again, there were three laws in biblical times, the judicial, the ceremonial, and then God's moral law. The nine of the Ten Commandments are included in God's moral law, but it's basically, it binds all people together. It's our fundamental understanding of law. It is God's goodness and his boundaries he's laid down for us set up in law essentially. And God's moral law, whether it is a an actual law in our country or not, is still the law of the spiritual world. His, his moral law doesn't go away just because we die. Like this isn't man's law. This is God's law. And when we are living within the confounds of God's, ba- God's boundaries, his moral law, it will help us pursue holiness. Now the Hebrew word for holiness is, and I'm probably going to say this wrong because it's Q-O-D-E-S. There's no U in here. So it's codes, quotes. It's a word that highlights the realm of the sacred and it contrasts the common and the profane. So it is highlighting the sacred, which is the Lord, the holy God, the creator of the universe. And it is contrasting everything else as common and profane. As an adjective, holy refers to God and what belongs to him, holy God. God is holy. He is set apart from our sin. He is separate from sin. He cannot, sin can't even be in his presence. Okay, why do you think so many people fall on their face, fall on their knees, even after going through sacrament? Many of the priests in the olden times would die walking into the Holy of Holies because they still had sin on them. God's holiness is his defining characteristics. There can be little G gods that other people serve that have some power, the demons behind those, the principalities, those sorts of things. But big G God, the only God of the universe, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Trinity, he is the only thing in the entire universe that is holy. That's it. He's it. However, however, We can pursue holiness by pursuing his law, by pursuing how the Bible says to be good, because the only thing that is truly good is God. We pursue being like God through Jesus Christ dying on the cross. Our sins are washed clean because of Christ's sacrifice on the cross. We are now allowed to be back in direct community with the Lord. And Christ's holiness is our scapegoat, right? It is the blood that washes us clean so that we can now walk clean into the presence of the Lord. We can be in our homes and pray and be in the presence of the Holy Spirit. We can put on worship music and sing with our family and the Holy Spirit comes. Why? Because of Christ's blood. We ourselves were not created holy. Our humanity keeps us from being holy. We were born into sin. However, we can pursue holiness because of the Holy Spirit the blood of Jesus Christ and our personal relationship with God and his word, his rhema word, his living present word in our lives, in addition to the Bible, which reflects him, his nature, and of course is a holy inspired word unto itself. But what can become a problem is how we go about pursuing holiness. And there's two ways people do this. And I'm going to clip along, friends. But there's two ways we do this by abiding by a set of rules that has either been created by man or by us or by our denomination or even the Levitical laws if we were to go that far in some parts of the world 
And the option two is to approach holiness as if it's not relevant. It's unattainable. So why even bother? Well, option one, following all these rules, leads to what? Legalism, self, self-righteousness, egotism, possibly even putting yourself up on a pedestal and looking down on others. It is exhausting to carry the weight of keeping the rules consistently in every day. And you guys, I'm here to tell you, it will lead you to frustration and despair. And it might even, if you realize you've, like I did, create this delicate house of cards of all the things you're doing that look so good and seem so right, even if they are good and right, leaning into yourself to obey these rules rather than into the grace of Jesus, that through him, you are wanting to seek holiness. You're wanting to stay in the boundaries of God's word. You're wanting to know God more. You're drawn to him. It's a relational reason for for staying in the boundaries. It's a relational reason, not a logistical reason, not a self-righteous reason. If we do it out of either self-righteousness, self-independence, self-reliance, a lot of self going on there, which all of us can easily slip into, it can lead you into despair and shame and depression when you fail because you will fail. See, Christ never fails us, but we fail ourselves and we fail him. And if we have prided ourselves on like, oh, I'm great. I'm the good kid. I'm the one who never does this or never does that. You know, it's, oh my gosh, you guys, I'm not joking. There is a flicker or a woodpecker. Why do they like when I'm talking to you to come and attack my house? Oh, Lord, please make the little birdie go away. Okay, we're going to keep, we're going to press on and you're just going to, I'm just, it usually stops in a minute as he realizes there's no food. That being said, okay, this set of rules, right? This self-righteousness, this frustration, you can become so tightly wound that not only are you no fun and, and you are religious, but there's not a relationship there except with yourself and this set of rules. We aren't to go sin to prove ourselves to be cool and easygoing and really awesome, But we're to want to follow holiness and lean into the pursuit of holiness because of Jesus and who we're following, not for appearances, not for self-justification, not for making ourselves feel good. It's got to come from the right place. Doing the right thing for the wrong reasons can still lead to despair. It doesn't mean you're not going to go to heaven. It doesn't mean that you are going to somehow become, you know, ousted by God. It's just the relationship piece will suffer and we don't want that. So the other option, of course, is to pursue holiness as off the table altogether. It's on the shelf. It's in a book. It's someone else's deal. Because I've had people say, well, we're all sinners saved by grace. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. Well, you're not anymore. Remember, the Bible says that once you've come to Christ, you're to be a saint. And we hear saint separate from sinner as if it's unattainable. Like in the Catholic Church, you have to go through becoming a saint. You have to perform a certain amount of miracles. And, and, and there's a tradition there that honestly is not holding within the biblical definition of saint. When we follow Jesus Christ and lean unto him, we are followers of him. We reflect him. We're little Jesuses. He was holy. And we are to follow in his footsteps. Will we fail? Yes. Will we seek to fail? No. And by putting holiness off as unattainable, not relevant to you, you seek to sin because you refuse to seek holiness. And we'll live our lives like our actions don't matter at all. And that not only is at the very least immature in, in an approach to Christianity, it's, it's heresy. It, it's not okay. You're throwing your purpose out the door to seek pleasure 
and self-fulfillment. So true holiness isn't legalism and it isn't lawlessness. It's only found in our pursuit of Jesus Christ. And there is no such thing as a Christless holiness. That's it's not possible. And again, I want to just really lean into the idea that holiness is through personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And the more we pursue Jesus Christ, the more we will want to honor him and we will want to seek holiness. It's a, it's a give, give, like we give him our lives. He gives us the desires of our heart. And part of that desire is holiness. It does take time. You guys, there are people that have this kind of instantaneous download from the Lord and all their sins, not only were washed away, but all their desire to sin went with it. And, and they like, I mean, I'm not even being sarcastic. They like stop drinking, stop smoking, stop, uh, you know, sleeping around if that's what they were doing. Stop having tendencies to want to look at pornography. Everything is taken off of them at once. Do they come back to uh, maybe come back to tempt them again? Sure, but they resist it. I mean, they even lose weight because God shows them like that they are being gluttonous. It's it's amazing. But I would say for most of us, and I'm, I'm trying not to chuckle at that, for most of us, that's not our testimony. And that's okay. Holiness is a daily walk. It's a daily pursuit. But we want to seek what Christ's was and is and forever will be, which is holy, not in a pious, snobby sort of way, but in a relational desire to please him. And if you don't have the desire to be holy, I would put that before the Lord. And I would say, God, I don't desire to be holy. Help me be holy. Help me have the desires that you want for me and not the desires I want for myself. Because it can be as simple as turning off the television, getting rid of your cell phone. He may call you to do that, even if he doesn't call others. And if you invite him into every area of your life and say, God, clean this up. Again, I've said this before. He may tell you to stop eating certain things, watching certain things, talking to certain people. He will certainly clean up your thought life, even if it's a negative self-thought life. God is not a God of destructive words, but he wants us to, yes, seek him, love him, know him. And by being in relationship through Jesus Christ, we can now enter into not only the pursuit of holiness, but but hopefully attaining righteousness. We are seeking the right things. We want to be in right standing with God. And I want to be really careful when I throw around the word holy. The only being in the universe that is truly holy is God. And yet, we can't enter into lawlessness because we'll never attain his holiness. So that is a simple, short, concise message I wanted to share. But I think it's something we need to chew on this week. How am I pursuing holiness? How am I pursuing a relationship with Jesus in every area of my life? How am I pausing and saying, God, what do you want from me today? What do you want from me in this moment? I'm sorry that I keep getting distracted. How do you want me to to go about being more disciplined? You guys, again, I think I've said this before, but you don't have to bring the Oreos into the house and sit them on the table and try to resist them to prove you have self-control. Self-control starts at the grocery store. You don't even put it in your cart. You keep it on the shelf where it belongs and you don't come home with it. Live with it like a lover and pretend it doesn't exist. Come on. But that's true of so many other things in our life. I took the TV out of the middle of our living room way before I had kids because I didn't want me 
to live my life in front of a screen. This was before we had get afford cable. This is before Netflix, all of it. And then when we had the television in the middle of our house, I hated it. We got a cabinet to cover it up. But now it doesn't live in my living room. It lives up in a room above my garage because yes, we can go and we can find it. It's, It's still in my house, but it's not in the middle of my world. Why? Because yours truly suffers from temptation and doesn't want it in the middle of my constant living space. And yet I have a little cell phone, little cell phone that likes to tell me, Hey buddy, come over here and get distracted. Is my being distracted a lack of holiness? Not necessarily, but it certainly isn't a good use of my time. And God is, is convicting me of that. And I want to allow God to come into those little places that I have kept from him because I like them and him say, no, ma'am, you can't watch the show anymore. You can't flip endlessly through Pinterest claiming you're doing work and get distracted. You can't, you can't, you can't, not because he doesn't love me, but, but it's, if, if you want me to be honest, it's distracting from either my time with him or what I should be doing that day or my purpose. So as you go throughout this week, I want you to just ask God, God, you are holy. I recognize I cannot attain holiness except through Jesus Christ's blood and forgiveness. But because of that grace, I'm allowed into your presence, which once upon a time in history wasn't allowed. And I want to be grateful for that. And I don't, I want to honor that. And I want to be with you. And you actually want to be with me. That's crazy. But in this relationship, Lord, you have to mentor and show me how to be holy I want to be more and more like you in how I treat my kids, how I treat my spouse, how I treat my friends, how I treat my, the people in my church, how I treat my pets, how I treat my yard, how I treat my body, how I treat my neighbors, how I treat my car, how I treat all of it. Because it's been entrusted to me while I'm on this earth and I want to honor you. How I treat my money. I'll throw that in there. So let's pray. God, I just want to thank you for these, these fellow journeyers on this quest, Lord, to be your hands and feet on this earth. And we just ask God for your love, your presence, and just a reminder as we go throughout the day to seek you and all we do, to seek your holiness, your justice, your righteousness, and to honor those around us by being willing to respond like you would respond instead of maybe how we're tempted to respond. So Father, we ask for forgiveness of our sins, and we ask God just to uh, just to be an ever-present part of our lives. Father, we put down our schedule and we spend more time with you the more we can, whether it's holding our babies and walking around, praying under our breath, whether it's waking up earlier, staying up later. Lord, we just pray that we are no longer distracted and that when we are, you convict us of what is a distraction and what is worthy of our time so that we can spend more time with you and doing what you need us to do, even if it's going to coffee with a friend. We thank you, Lord, for who you are, for your son. And we thank you that you are holy and you still love us. In Jesus' name, amen. Ladies, have a wonderful week. I will be back next time to talk about the difference between purpose and pleasure. It's a great talk. It's it's so good, you guys. If you are struggling with purpose, why am I here? What am I doing? Yes, outside of my family. This, I'm struggling right now. Maybe God has shoved you somewhere you did not expect him to. Maybe this is a, a weird, they always call it a season, right? Season, a weird season for you. As you're raising your kids, 
maybe they're little tiny and you don't know you feel a little off thumbs there or maybe they're teenagers and they don't talk to you anymore maybe you've got a little bit of bumps in the road in your marriage maybe you thought you always knew what you wanted to be and goddess no longer that no longer satisfies you i want you to really hone in on this one it's so good and it's just finding purpose instead of being distracted with pleasure okay ladies have a wonderful day And if you want to reach out, it is strongchristianfemale at protonmail.com. I'll have that below as well. Thanks so much. See you next time.